and welcome to First Baptist Church. We are so glad that you are here this morning. Wow, a brand new year, so many new things right on the horizon, and first and foremost is our continued worship of Almighty God. If this is the very first time for you to be here or you've never filled out one of our guest cards, we'd love for you to take the opportunity to take the card in the pew in front of you, filled in its entirety. And when you leave today, one of the four exits you'll just drop it in that offering box, we would certainly appreciate that. It's a special day today because today is a day that we are coming together through this entire service as part of our worship to ordain three of our seven new deacons. Four have uh, already been ordained and served before, and three we have the privilege today of ordaining. So take it all in. Hear what God has to say. It's a special day in the life of our church. And as God speaks, let's listen. Let's join together in prayer, and then we'll lay a foundation of scripture reading, of prayers, of music, of challenge. It involves the entire congregation as we lift up our praise to God and as we're about his business, as the scripture indicates. Pray with me. Father, thank you for the time and the opportunity that you've given us to come this morning. There are a lot of places we could be, but Father, this is the priority. We thank you for that opportunity. If it wasn't for your son, Jesus Christ, there would be no reason for us to gather together. You 
through your infinite love, through your compassionate care, you provided the greatest gift. And Father, we humbly thank you for that. And we don't take it lightly. We don't want to be on the sidelines. We want to be engaged in all of your ministry that honors you and meets the needs of people and communicates the gospel of Christ. And this morning, as we go through this time of worship and this time of ordination, I pray that you will give us great understanding and how each of us will be challenged to accomplish the task that you have given us and gifted us for. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Good morning. Acts 6, 1 through 7. The choosing of the seven. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to the prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. 1 Timothy 3, 8-13 In the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested, and then, if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be faithful to his wife and must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served well gain, well, will gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. The word of the Lord.
As noted in our bulletin, it is my privilege this morning to recognize and thank the three deacons who are rotating off the deacon council. Deacons at our church typically serve a three-year term after which they must rotate off for at least one year before becoming eligible for election again. However, because of special circumstances, two of the three being recognized today have served a four-year term. All three of the individuals being recognized today have a beautiful servant's heart and they have all worked tirelessly to carry out their duties as deacons with compassion and love. Two of them are here in the service today and one is out of town. Outgoing deacons, please stand when I call your name and remain standing until I've recognized all three. First is Karen Lackey. Karen has just completed a three-year term. She served one previous term and filled in two years of a partial term. <clears throat> Thus, she has served as a deacon here in our church for a total of eight years. Ralph Hayes is next. As I noted, Ralph is out of town and unable to be here today. He's finishing up also a four-year term at our church. Ralph also served as a deacon in New Mexico and has given a total of 10 years of service as a deacon. Our third honoree is Regine Stelfox. Regine was asked to serve an extra year on the deacon council and is also completing a four-year term. These past four years represent Regine's first in service as a deacon. Karen, Ralph, and Regine have all been incredibly faithful to the task, and as I've worked alongside them, I have seen their commitment, their dedication, their love for the Lord, and to serve him and our church with humility, with sacrifice, and with giving hearts. Please join me now in a round of applause to honor and thank them for their service. <clears throat> Come, all Christians, be committed to the service of the Lord. Let's sing.
those who've already gathered, this morning's worship service is not quite like any other Sunday morning worship service since we focus upon the ordination of these men as deacons. I've been asked to offer a brief explanation as to what this experience is all about. Hopefully that will help to clarify for some of you who perhaps have never attended or participated in a service like this before. And for those of us who have, perhaps it will be a reminder of the sacredness of this particular time. While not mentioned specifically in the scriptures, the practice of the ordination of deacons has its biblical basis in the New Testament. Many would point to the events recorded in Acts 6, which we heard read for us just a few moments ago. They would see that as the precursor or the forerunner of what ordination of deacons is to be about. We heard about the crisis that existed in the early church at that point, and so to remedy that crisis, the church selected seven men, and listen, they were individuals who had demonstrated maturity and spiritual character, ones who were full of spirit, of the spirit and wisdom, and they had this, this ministry assigned to them to care for the Greek widows among them. Having done that, the church commissioned them, prayed over them, laid hands on them. Most would consider those the acts of ordination. Historically, throughout the history of the church, there have been some common elements in understanding about this issue of ordination. First, ordination happens in the context of the church and the ministry that Christ assigned to it. Now, all of us have that mission assigned to us, but it is pastors and deacons, as recorded in the scripture, who are to give the leadership to the congregation in fulfilling that mission. Those selected to serve are to be ones who have previously demonstrated through their life and their devotion to the Lord, their gifts for ministry, and their service, their maturity as believers, all those qualities are to have been demonstrated as they are then chosen. We heard the passage from 1 Timothy relating the various qualities of character that is expected of those who are to be ordained. So you see, two things are happening. On one hand, the Spirit is at work in the life of the individual helping them to recognize that they do have these gifts of ministry and to hear the call to become a deacon. At the same time, the Spirit is at work in the life of the church, helping the church to recognize what's happening in these individuals. And so the coming together of those two works of the Spirit are what we're attempting to observe today. That recognition takes place have, that recognition then takes place by formally commissioning the person, setting them apart for service that involves both prayer and the laying on of hands. Ordination is not a bestowing of power or authority. There's nothing magical that happens in the laying on of hands. Rather, it is the following of a biblical pattern found in both the Old and the New Testament Symbolizing a commissioning, a setting apart, a dedicating to service. For the individuals involved, this is a very humbling experience. 
for the congregation, for the rest of us. It is a commitment to pray for, work with, and support those whom we are selecting and ordaining today. So, as we continue in this service, I hope we will recognize it as a very sacred time in the lives of those we are ordaining. And at the same time, I hope you'll recognize it as a sacred time in the life of our church. So may we be attuned to the presence of the Spirit as we continue on in this service. Dr. Hornicker, thank you very much. Appreciate that purpose. As Dr. Hornicker mentioned, uh, this is a time we're ordaining three deacons that this church has elected. But it's a commitment of the congregation as well as these who will be ordained and our deacons as a whole. And so our commitment as a church is vital and important. And you will be participating in that. If you look on the screen, you will notice uh, that we will move into this time of commitment. And it is like a responsive reading where the pastor will say things and then there will be a section where the people say things in unison. These are words of commitment on the part of the congregation, the commitment of the church to support these deacons, representing all of our deacons and this ministry. So if you would, we'll go through this first section and then we will move to the commitment of our deacons who will be ordained today. So we are gathered today to worship God and to ordain these new deacons elected by the church. We Serving as a deacon is more than just an honor. It's a task which calls for service, faithfulness, humility, openness, courage to speak, and live one's convictions. Through our knowledge of these servants, we have found that they possess these traits worthy of a deacon. And asking them to serve as deacons, we pledge our support to their ministry. We offer each of you our support now our commitment to these who are to be ordained with that kind of support from the congregation their encouragement both in prayer and in striving to uplift and encourage you in the realm of ministry do each of you trust that you are truly called by God to the ministry of the deacon in this church Are each of you committed to ministering to those in need, to explaining salvation in Christ alone, and to the calling forth of greater discipleship in Christ? Will each of you seek to provide an upright example of your total life, your words, your attitude, your behavior, and your family life, which will point others to Christ? And are each of you committed to upholding the fellowship of First Baptist Church, Sun City West, doing all that you can to support, affirm, and undergird her ministry through your presence, your possessions, your wise counsel, and your witness? I ask the Lord be my inspiration, 
So we have the commitment of the church. We have the commitment of these who are to be ordained. As a congregation, please, if you would, let's respond. Because of each of you have demonstrated wisdom, because each of you have been led by the Spirit, and because each of you respect your fellow believers, the people of this church, place their confidence in each of you as a deacon. We may now work together to that end that God's mission might be accomplished in our community. Very special, but these are only words unless they come from the heart, unless the follow through on both the deacons and us as a congregation are put in place, prayed for, and lived out. Another hymn of servanthood, Make Me a Blessing. Would you stand as we sing together?
goes on the road. We are here to help each other walk the mile and bear the load. I will hold the Christ's light for you in the nighttime of your fear. I will hold my hand out to you. Speak the peace you long to hear. Sisters, let me be your servant. Let me be as Christ to you. Pray that I may have the grace to let you be my servant too. Brother, let me be your servant. Let me be as Christ to you. Pray that I may have the grace to let you be Beverly, thank you so much. So as we focus our charge on this ordination Sunday, we reflect upon what the book of Acts has to say. Paul's letter to Timothy. It's not just a challenge to the deacons to be ordained, rather it's a challenge to every one of our deacons and to the congregation as a whole. What should result from the ordination of deacons, from the deacon ministry as a whole? Well, little Susie's mom asked her what she learned in Sunday school. And Susie said, we learned how to heal the sick and cast out deacons. This morning, we will not be casting out deacons. <laughs> what we will be doing this morning, and have done, is to focus our attention upon what deacons are, their ministry, their service, and how the congregation comes underneath to undergird them, and how the relationship with the deacons and the pastor or pastoral staff, they work hand in hand to accomplish the desires of God. So I believe that as we ordain these whom the congregation has elected as servant leaders through our deacon council, that we focus upon the results of those early 
days. When we talk about the forerunners or the pre-runners to what we understand deacon ministry to be. So what were those results in that early church? Well, we find that needs were served, conflict was settled, the apostles were freed to focus on their primary task, and the number of believers multiplied greatly. It is the way it should be, as we see in Acts, that in every age and every church, the ordination of deacons, the coming together and calling forth of deacon ministry, in our church, men and women who serve faithfully to accomplish the task that God has. We ought to see those same results. Three things that I want to bring out. Number one, ordination of deacons ought to result in the unification of the church. These who have been elected to serve as deacons are to promote and preserve the unity of this body of Christ. And that's true for all of our deacons. In the beginning, the church was just about to be polarized. But it was brought back in unity. And why was that? Because the apostles, in their wisdom, in their counsel with God, understood that more ministers need to be brought together. Men of wisdom, full of the Spirit. In that early church, the problem was inequalities or perceived inequalities in the administration of the church's benevolent program. This led to murmuring among the neglected widows and others. It is a true lesson that multiplication without ministry can lead to murmuring in the church. People need and they have a right to be ministered to when they have needs. As a church, we strive to do the best that we can. If they're not, then those people aren't happy. <laughs> you know, complaining and division in the church has been the curse of Christianity from the very beginning. And that's probably why the Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 14, Do everything without grumbling and arguing. A Greek word for the term murmur, or uh, the other term, grumbling, it describes the buzzing of bees' wings when they're really, really mad. <laughs> it's that, that low, growling, guttural sound. It's that under the breath, behind the back type of complaining. It's that parking lot meeting after the business meeting type of grumbling and complaining. And then he uses the term arguing. He says, do everything without grumbling and without arguing. The word arguing has the idea of a more open and direct conflict. In fact, the Apostle Paul brought that to the surface in Philippians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, when he said, I plead with Eudea uh, and I plead with Syntyche, be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended by my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. What is Paul saying? He's saying that Eudea and Syntyche, 
they had been faithful in ministry with Paul, striving to accomplish ministry, but something happened, and now there was an open conflict between these two ladies in the church, and they were creating division within the church. People were drawing sides. And Paul said, this can't be. Help them. The murmuring or the grumbling and arguing both have greatly hampered the work of God through the centuries in the church. Pastor in Africa wrote, we need prayers very badly in this area. The devil is working mightily for the first people to work in this station, left the gospel, and then started quarreling. And you know, where there is quarreling, the devil is there. <laughs> one writer humorously reminds us, grumbling is not one of the spiritual gifts. It doesn't take much musical ability to always be harping on something. So don't go through life standing at the complaint counter. Remember, the squeaky wheel doesn't always get the grease. Sometimes it gets replaced. <laughs> when people begin to quarrel, they actually begin to expend the very best energies on conflict rather than on God's work. And that's what we're here for. And even more, we find that the problems churches face and are caused are not caused by people who want to serve. Normally it's caused by people who want to rule or want their own way. And that's where the conflict comes in. And so the deacons, they were chosen to solve problems, not to create them. They were elected to serve and not rule. They were ordained to unify and not divide. So when our deacons come together, the focus is on unity. Anything that they can do to bring about ministry to the needs of people and keeping the church unified so that the church can accomplish the very heart and desire of God. Secondly, the ordination of deacons ought to result in allowing the pastor and the pastoral staff to focus on their primary priority. In Acts chapter 6, verses 3 through 5, the apostle said, Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom, and we will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. And this proposal pleased the whole group. Why do you think it pleased the whole group? Well, probably because they saw that the apostles were pulled every direction and not focusing on the very thing God had called them to do. I think as a result of the selection of these early deacons, we find that uh, in the first church that the overworked apostles were set free to concentrate upon their primary calling, what God had called them to do. The unrest in the early church, it was diverting the apostles' attention from their very first duty. And so the apostles urged the congregation to set aside spiritual men as they said, so that we can give ourselves continually to prayer in the ministry of the Word. And I believe that that statement forever establishes the priority of the pastor and the pastoral staff, to focus upon the spiritual well-being of the church, of the people, with an understanding of what God's kingdom is all about. One of the three words in Scripture 
for the office of the pastor is the term bishop. And it means an overseer or a superintendent. So the pastor is, is kind of like a construction superintendent. He's not called to do all the work of the church. But in addition to the ministry of the word and to prayer, and to be that kind of prayer warrior, he's also to cast the vision, to see that the work is being accomplished. He's to train and organize and motivate people to do the work of the ministry. <coughs> Pastor Paul Powell wrote, Our churches today need a better division of labor. More ministers and their staff are both overworked and underemployed. They're overworked at a hundred little things and underemployed at the basic calling to pray and preach and to train and equip the people for the work of ministry. The Apostle Paul said something about that in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13, when he said, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for the works of ministry so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. There's a lot in those three verses. We spent a lot of time there. But the thrust says, okay, God has given these kinds of spiritual leaders a calling for the purpose, and the pastor is one of those, to equip his people for the works of ministry. To be equippers, so that ministry actually takes place. Why? So that the body of Christ may be built up, encouraged, inspired. Until, until when? Until we all reach the unity of faith. And also in the knowledge of the Son of God. is the idea of unity, the knowledge of the Son of God, and we become mature. This isn't mature because we think we have all the knowledge, or we have all the education, or we have a lot of Bible verses memorized, or we've been experienced in ministry for a lot of years. That's not necessarily maturity. Maturity is deep in wisdom. He says here, defines it, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That fullness of Christ is what we desire. It's to become not where it's us, but where we attain the fullness of Christ. Christ living in us completely. That's what the desire is. That's what the hope is. That's what the goal is. And so Paul's saying, listen, the pastor, the pastor and, and the pastoral staff, they're leading, they're equipping, they're striving to help the congregation as a whole to accomplish what God's work is. One pastor proficiently stated, while the prophet Jonah was swallowed by a big fish, today's modern-day prophet is nibbled to death by a thousand minnows of interruption. <laughs> so the apostle's solution was this. Let the pastor fulfill his number one priority, and to be the overseer. Focus upon being a prayer warrior, ministering the word, understanding it, communicating it, teaching it, equipping through it. And secondly, to unleash the people for the work of ministry for the church, to unleash them. God's gifted every single believer. The pastor never needs to hold them close where they have to follow every step along the way, but rather to equip them for them to do that ministry 
And the ministry then is multiplied, especially in the realm of deacons. There are two offices of the church, that of the pastor, that of the deacon. Deacons in particular are to be unleashed to accomplish the ministry, the meeting of needs, the harmony and the unification of the church. You see, we are not a church with one pastor and 250 members. We are a church that has one pastor and 251 ministers. That's who we are, every single one of us. God's people are to be ministers, not to sit in the sidelines, not to be in the galleries, not to be spectators in the stands, but to be engaged to accomplish the work of God. Deacons must see themselves as friends, helpers, and fellow servants with the pastor. You see, we are co-laborers together. We are a team. I believe that the, the work of God goes forward best when pastors and deacons see themselves on the same side. That they serve the congregation together. It's not a matter of one being over the other. Rather, it's a matter of standing shoulder to shoulder, side by side, together, ministering and meeting the needs of, of this congregation. One is ministering mostly in this realm of the spiritual, the other in the physical and relational. When we step back and we take a look at what happened in the book of Acts, we see the wisdom of the decision of the apostles and how the congregation said, yes, this is good. Because we can continue to get our spiritual leadership and our equipping. But the primary task of the apostles and at the same time, we have these who are wise and full of the Spirit. They're focusing on the ministry of the needs of the people. Absolutely critical. Third, ordination of deacons should result in the multiplication of disciples. When the first deacons were chosen, a stagnated church surged forward in a period of unparalleled growth and outreach. When the needs were being met, all of a sudden, people started coming by the droves. And I think this experience has a happy ending. As a result, the apostles and the deacons sharing ministry together, we find that harmony was restored, an evangelistic spiral or growth took place. They go hand in hand. Acts chapter 6 and verse 7 says, So, after all of this had taken place, that, that need was being met, the division was eliminated because the needs were being accomplished. The Bible says, So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Those were priests very focused on Judaism, that came to know the Messiah. This suggests that while before, the Bible says, in the early church, people were added to their number daily. In this chapter of Acts, with this transformation that's taken place, the writer begins to talk about multiplication. That now the church was growing rapidly. 
Why? Because when people's needs are met, they want to be there. When they're being met spiritually, and then when they're being met physically, emotionally, relationally, Jesus works through that. And that's why we see this early church growing. They were meeting needs. So I think it suggests a basal principle of, of church growth. A ministering church is a happy church, and a happy church will be a growing church. Let me tell you, a well-organized church and a planned ministry will fail without care and love and service of the people to people who have needs. We could have the best running ministry around, but if it's not meeting needs, if it's not touching the hearts of people, if it's not engaging them, if there's not that kind of compassionate care and that, that unconditional love and that desire to serve others more than ourselves, of our congregation towards others, we'll never see that growth. But when those two things happen together, the sky's the limit. And I look at our own community, we, we have so many we're estimated around 24, 25,000 people live in Sun City West. That doesn't include the folks in the surrounding area because there's about a third, maybe 40% of our congregation comes outside of Sun City West here. So there's a great opportunity for us to meet needs, to touch lives, to point people to Jesus at the same time of getting their needs met. You see, harmony is essential to the church doing the work. No church is going to be effective if its members are at civil war. It's not going to happen. The happiest churches I know are those where ministry and leadership are shared by the pastor and deacons. There is this joint understanding. You see, God's plan is very clear. He expects all his church to be growing and ministering churches. That's what his heart is. It's not only a matter of becoming larger and larger, but the fact is that as you grow as a church, you have to continue to maintain the personal touch, meeting the needs of every single individual to the best of your ability as a church body. And the deacons are the primary means of the church maintaining that personal ministry while it continues to grow and evolve. And so the challenge is pretty clear both to the deacons we're ordaining today, our full deacon body, and to all of us as a congregation. That it is a joint endeavor, step by step. When pastors have the ability and the time to focus on praying and preaching, and when the deacons minister, the church has an unbeatable combination for doing both through the power of the Spirit. We can minister, we can preach, we can pray. The church that has that kind of combination with their deacon body and, and their, their pastor or pastoral staff, it is a blessed church because it seeks the harmony and the unity, the heart's desire of God to do everything within their power to meet the needs. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we'll go even deeper than we possibly could do ourselves. <coughs> so 
So these held in balance will create peace and harmony. It will enable us to grow, but enable us to grow as a church that ministers, that reaches out, that serves, and that keeps people. Being open to hear, willingness to engage, and a heart. A heart that sees through every face into the heart of where they are. That's what God's goal is for the pastor and the pastoral staff, for our deacons. And as a congregation, we have a part two. Congregation needs to be supportive, encouraging, involved in the ministries. They need to be prayer warriors for the ministries of the church and for the deacons and the pastor. A joint endeavor to do everything that we can to have this sense of harmony and joy and fellowship and relationship no we're not always going to see eye to eye as a group we're not always going to to look at something and, and say yeah that's 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 the identical thing that i have in my mind but through all the giftedness that we have and through the ministries that we have and the commitment to one another and the power of god's spirit we come to this sense of unity not uniformity but unity and harmony to accomplish the heart of God. And so that's what we call ourselves to. When we have an ordination of deacons, and when we seek out the wisdom as a congregation to elect deacons to a deacon council, the desire is to find men and women who care. Not for rule, not for status, but in humility to serve. And gentlemen, this is what you have been called to do. And for all of our deacons, this is what you have been called to do. For our staff, this is what we've been called to do. For a congregation, we've all been called to accomplish God's ultimate desire that the world might know about Jesus and the needs of people being met with the best that we can through God's help. And so as we come to our time of invitation, this would be a great time for us to commit ourselves to say, you know what? I might not be a deacon, but I'm going to support them. And I'm going to pray for them. And I'm going to find my place that God has for me in this ministry of this church. Is we strive not to do just stuff. We strive to do things that encourage and inspire and help, that equip, communicate spiritual values and biblical truth. But out here, we, we have so many people that are engaged in ministry or want to be and have experience and giftedness. 
And we want to unleash you to accomplish what God wants you to, what he's led you to do. And so in our invitation, I'm asking you to hear from God. I'm asking you to respond as an act of worship for him. It might be in the pew where you are, or it might be here at the front where I'll be. If you need to give your life to Christ, if you've never done that before, this is a great opportunity. If, if you want to rededicate yourself or just say, Pastor, I want you to know I'm going to support these guys, then you come and do that. If you want to join this church because this is a church that strives to minister, we encourage you to come and do that. And hear what God is saying to you. And commit to Him to do that. Father, in our invitation time, we thank you for the opportunity. We thank you for this special time set aside to focus on this ministry, deacon ministry, servant ministry. And I pray, God, that for these three that we are ordaining today, who represent all of our deacons, active and inactive, that, God, you will bless them. You'll encourage them. You'll inspire them. You'll help them through the tedious things that go on to bring about unity and harmony and to meet needs. And give them continued wisdom, spiritual knowledge. And help us all to strive for the fullness of Christ in our lives. When it's no longer me but it's Jesus. So whatever decisions need to be made this morning to accomplish that, Father, speak to us and help us to respond as an act of worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Stand if you would and let's sing our invitation hymn. be seated if you would. Gentlemen, would you please have a seat? <laughs> we have Phil McKenna, we have Frank Bush, and we have Larry Super that we're ordaining today, but we have four additional deacons that have already been ordained that are coming on our deacon council uh, the first of February, and if, uh, if you're here today, would you stand? Yeah. All right. These four right here, all seven of these folks. Okay.
this is a time for us to uh, have an affirming time. Many times when we've done ordination services in an evening, we have the opportunity to come and lay hands on them, each deacon and, and active and inactive, and each uh, minister, retired or active. Um, we don't have that opportunity this morning, but we do have this opportunity because we want the congregation to be involved. Um, in just a few moments, I'm going to ask all of our deacons, active and inactive, and all of our ministers, retired or active, to come and just gather around behind all of these, these three gentlemen and just put your hands on their shoulders or the shoulder of somebody who's got them. And then I'm going to ask you, if you would as a congregation, because you can't get up here, is just to put your hand out when we have the ordaining prayer. Very special time. Um, before I ask you to come up, though, uh, where's Susan at? I wanted to recognize, we have Phil here and his wife, Susan. Could you just kind of smile and look at everybody? <laughs> okay, all right. And Frank, your wife is behind us, I think, right? In the choir? Yeah. All right, Betty. Wait a little higher. There you go. Okay, all right. And uh, Larry, Judy, where's Judy? Right here. Okay, all right. I wanted to make sure we recognized your wives. So if we could go ahead and take the opportunity for our deacons, active and inactive, for our ministers, retired or active, if you would come and just gather around, I would certainly appreciate that. And our deacon chairperson, Bill Sweeney, when everybody is set, will uh, we'll have our ordination prayer. If you would just all gather right, right down here, that would be great. Remember what Dr. Horniker communicated, the purpose of ordination. It comes to this very special time of those who have been ordained coming together to lay hands. And for most of these gentlemen, um, when we've had the opportunity for people to, to come by and lay hands on and speak to us, they remember that and they remember what is said to them. My ordination to the gospel ministry took place 40 years ago last summer, and I, to this day, remember so many of the, the, the comments that were given to me by pastors and deacons in our area. It's inspiring. If you would, as a congregation, would you mind just raising your hand toward these gentlemen as part of, part of this? Bill, lead us if you would. May we pray. Lord, make us instruments of thy peace. Where there is hate, let us sow peace. Where there is injury, pardon. And in all that we do, Lord, we are indeed your servants. We pray this special time, Lord, that you will bless these three men and the three families that are represented here. Will the wives pay, play a instrumental part in their servanthood? Thank you for this church. Each of us have a different 
a different thought about when we were ordained as, as deacons. But it all comes back to this loving church. Seeing something in these three men to help, uh, help guide us through this next time together. Lord, it's such a special privilege and honor to be a deacon in this, your church. This is such a loving church. This is such a praying church. And this is such a worshiping church. And we thank you for bringing all of us to this point today. Heavenly Father, we pray for all of the new deacons that are coming on, what support they, they will be able to give us and to give our church. And most importantly, support for you who call them to this position. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this time together. Bless us and keep us always in your care. In your holy name, we ask it. Amen. Deacons and ministers, you may go back to your seats. And we have a very special presentation for these three gentlemen. Certificate of Ordination. Each of these has your name on it and says, Having been chosen, one of good report, full of spirit and of wisdom, and capable of using the office well, was set apart publicly to the office and work of deacon by First Baptist Church, Sun City West, on the 8th day of January, 2023. In addition, we have a very special gift for you as well. Bill McKenna, if you would stand. Go, sir. Yeah. Frank Bush. Larry Super. Yeah. Will the three of you stand, please? And would you please welcome these newly ordained people? <laughs> Y'all want to go ahead and have a seat on the front pew? Ms. Nancy, you have a few, uh, a few announcements, and then we have... Uh, our deacon, outgoing deacon, Karen Lackey, who will be coming and, uh, and having our closing prayer. And I just want to say one thing, Nancy, if I could. Sure. Next Sunday, we begin a new series that will take us somewhere in the realm of April, and that is on the book of Philippians, and I hope that you'll engage in that. If you were part of either the decorating or the undecorating for Christmas crew, would you stand so that we can acknowledge and thank you? Either decorating or undecorating. 
thank you so much for giving of your time. We sincerely appreciate it. On the back of your bulletin, there are a number of things, but I want to call your attention to just a couple. Tomorrow at noon in the CLC, the women will be coming together for a fellowship lunch, and you are to bring cookies for a cookie exchange. Bring something that you can take back the cookies you will be exchanging yours for. Then on Wednesday at 4 o'clock, we have our Mission Awareness Potluck Dinner, and I hope that you will plan to be part of that. Our guest speaker, Matthew Mueller, who is lead pastor at Valley Life Church in North Peoria, one of the two new ministries that we are partnering with for this coming year. I will let you read the others that are on the back there, but on the back of the insert, the dinner fellowship groups. Some of you have been asking, what is that all about? This page will help you understand, and I hope that you will take advantage and sign up to be part of that ministry, which we hope to begin in February. Karen Lackey, one of our outgoing deacons, will come now as you stand to lead us in our closing prayer. Please join me in prayer. Oh Lord, you have rained down with so many blessings today. This is an awesome service, Lord, so meaningful. And I do pray so much for these new coming deacons. It is an honor, it's a privilege, and a joy. Help us, oh God, to keep the, our servanthood in the center of our mind. In your wonderful name I pray, amen. amen. amen.